Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. It is something that really consumes our lives, whether you realize it or not. And we are talking about fear. There's fear everywhere. Fear of even making a job change. Fear of making a decision sometimes. And then there's some major fear. How do we deal with that? How do we get our spiritual arms around that. She's going to help us out. She is a an amazing spiritual director. Dr. Leslie Beckhart Yenel is a spiritual director and she's here. Welcome. How are you, Leslie? Fine. Thank you, Steve. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Yeah, it's good to have you here. And fear is, I believe, huge now, but manifests itself in anxiety. So many people say that they're anxious, they have anxiety, they're trying to deal with it, maybe even taking meds. From a spiritual standpoint, what are your thoughts on uncontrolling fear? Well, I think the first thing is that we need to walk through it. So there's two aspects. I think the biggest fear is being known in who we are, in our essential selves. Um. You know, being known and loved for who we are is the only way really that we can quench our spiritual thirst at any point in time. There's no need to be different than as we are. And when we are, it feeds something that's transcendent that can get us out of the fear. The fear is um, very debilitating, but it requires not only faith, but trust in the divine. Trust. Faith is a conviction that there is something transcendent outside the self. And trust is believing that that something is benevolent and beneficent, has our best interest at heart, has a parental concern for us, and loves us. So our greatest wounds, our deepest shame, our overwhelming fears are really our greatest gift because that fear strips away um, what we thought was essential and leaves our wounds open to healing, um, the healing power of the divine. And nothing is missing in us. Nothing is missing. We are loved as we are known as we are so you and use I the, great, i'm sorry I find, I cut you off. that's okay i find great comfort in that thought oh without a doubt we mm -hmm. say trust you mentioned the the t word very very powerful what mm -hmm. about and that's trust in the divine mm -hmm. what about the trust in ourselves i think that's important you know sometimes we don't trust ourselves sometimes we don't listen to our gut and our gut is where a lot of those um, we how we know truth is often in our gut, in our heart. It can be in our body. You know, fear cause it is up in the shoulders. Anxiety is up in the shoulders. Fear is up in the shoulders. But when we relax, then we can be more in touch with the divine that loves us. And the knowledge of that divine is more in the heart and in the gut literally, than it is shoulders up. You don't think that fear or anxiety can also manifest and center itself a little bit lower in the gut? Mm -hmm. I definitely think it can. 
but then I don't believe it's the truth. You know, fear is not always the truth. Anxiety is not always the truth. It's something that we sort of spin into. And once we're into, it's hard to get out. But it's like a hurricane. All that anxiety and fear and agitation is at the surface where the waves and the chaos and the winds are. But if you dive down about 100 feet under a hurricane, the water is peaceful and calm. So what I try to encourage my spiritual directees to do is to accept those fears, anxiety, that agitation, know it's not the truth, and dive down deep into where we are in conscious contact with our divine. I love what you said in regard to it not being real if the fear is centered lower around the gut. And there's a great acronym, and I try to always remember it, fear, false evidence appearing real. And exactly that, <laughs> right. And that's just what you said. How do we know? We, we skimmed over this in the past, but when it's that gut feeling, when it's that, that knowing, how do you know it's real? Something may appear, but how do you determine whether it's your true gut feeling or maybe a, you know, sometimes I like to think, you know, we call it gut, it could be God, <laughs> you know, how do you know? Could be God, could be ourselves, in which case it really wouldn't be the truth. Um, I think you know by the fruits. So, for example, when you have fear, and that's the upper level, you dive down into conscious contact then the decisions that you make are peaceful decisions that make you feel a sense of purpose and meaning. If those decisions that you make give you anxiety or angst in any way, then they're not the truth. You're not on, you're not on that, uh, you know, there's a continuum sort of. There's complete trust in God and there's complete disbelief and distrust in God. And what you want to do is be more on one side of the continuum. So how do you do that? You do that by following your gut and looking at the fruits of your decision-making. You're better angels, as we say. Do you have a sense of peace and comfort in your decision? Or do you have a greater sense of anxiety and fear? Then we know that our decisions are right when we have that peace and contentment. So this week, I had to make a decision. It also affects somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I sat on it for quite some time. Actually affects two people very close to me. And I just kept coming back to the same decision a no answer. Very difficult. And I tried to get outside of my mind and just go with what's coming in. But every time I thought of it, it uh, I had that heavy feeling like this is just, as much as I want to pivot over here, I'm going back over here. Um, I've made 99% choice to go on the no. Um, I can't tell you why I'm going mm -hmm. there. Well, I can rationalize it. There's a couple of reasons here and there. However, 
whenever I don't accept that feeling, I'm usually wrong. And I don't know where it's coming from. And I'm just sharing a personal example. And it was a pretty you know, substantial decision I needed to make. Um, mm-hmm. I, how do you know? <laughs> It's, how do you know it's a, and you know, I, I ask for, you know, guidance from above or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the way you know is, first of all, that you sat with that decision. You didn't make a snap judgment, right? So that's the most important part. As my father from South Dakota would say, you conjured on it. You conjured on it. You let it percolate. You let it you let it rise to the surface. And sometimes the answer is not the one we want or we think we want, but it always is the best in the long run. And the choice is always not to harm. It doesn't mean that someone doesn't get angry at you for your decision or that you you end up angry at the situation. That's fine. But so long as the decision does not harm you or another, then it's the right decision. And And the decision may be no, and the decision may be sit and wait, too. And I think that pause, you know, the transcendent divine is often found in that pause. Rather than reacting quickly, that pause allows us to respond instead. And just what you said, the decision impacts somebody in a positive way. The decision impacts somebody with disappointment, not anger, but disappointment, maybe a little bit of anger, but more disappointment. Uh, mm-hmm. And for, I'm in the middle. <laughs> so, but it also impacts me. And there's yeah. a piece of that on me where my well being for the moment, and I offered a solution and the solution wasn't really accepted. So, mm-hmm. but every time I go back to it, I still come up with that heavy feeling, just like, "Mm, not the right time. Just what you said. Wait, not the right time. And I'll never know the answer. Probably won't know the answer. Uh, And it's it's got a deadline. Essentially, essentially it's travel. And I put the pause button on that. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, just challenging. Uh, And and even I bring it up because there is some fear that I have in in other areas uh, impacting this decision. Sure. Sure. That happens too. Everything is interconnected. Yeah. I think really sitting with the decision really helps. You know, that pause really helps because there's a difference between reacting and responding. Reacting is that quick snap and responding is that considered answer. So it may be that not everybody involved in the decision is going to be happy, but is the decision something that leads to greater peace and beneficence, or does it lead to destruction? We need to know that. Is it fundamentally toward the divine, or is it fundamentally away from the divine? You know, it's the world is not black and white. There's no such thing as black and white. The world is black and not black. Without darkness, we don't perceive the light. We have to get away from that dualistic thinking Hmm. that things always are one way or another. And it's not always like that. It's not always like that. It's not so much a gradation of gray, but it's more a sense that without the darkness, there is no light. 
things are either dark or not dark, light or not light. Without the darkness, there is no light. What do you say to people, Leslie, that have the belief that when you're making a decision, you're going with your gut, Mm -hmm. and they say, go with the first thing that comes in your mind. First thing, that's usually the right answer. The lighter one, that's the one you go for. And Mm -hmm. I think there's some validity in that, but I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, that's a great way to answer a multiple choice test, you know, to go with a quick, quick feeling. I would always counsel somebody to take a pause, just take a pause and let it percolate within and then see, is it fundamentally toward what you understand as the divine or is it fundamentally away? Is it beneficence? Is it on the whole good? Or is it going to lead to destruction of yourself or somebody else? And I think that's how we make those decisions. Mm. We always call them the better angels of our character, as Lincoln did. Mm. (laughs) Are we listening to the better angels or are we listening to the lesser angels? I am a believer in what you said. Let it percolate. I Mm. don't make rash decisions. I think you need to think things out if it's important enough. It's, mm-hmm. you know, you could test it in terms of what you want for dinner. What's the first thing that pops in your head? Go with it. See if it felt good. The lighter stuff, but the heavier stuff, I don't, I don't agree. <laughs> you, you know, it's, you need to take that time. Come back to it. Does it feel the same? Come back to it. Does it feel the same? And you mm-hmm. usually have your answer there. What are some mm-hmm. other ways that we can feel better with fear or eliminate fear? Or is that even possible? I think the fundamental fear we have is of destruction, of annihilation, of no meaning. Our fundamental fear is really about the death of the self. That's what's going on when we're afraid of something. We're feeling threatened. That's always what's going on. But if we realize that we are known as we are and loved as we are, then some of that fear is alleviated. We don't feel so threatened in the self because fear is really about threat, what we perceive as a threat. And it may be that the fear is telling you you need to move somewhere else, that you need to take another position. It may be justifiable fear. Because in essence, it's not only the feeling that yourself is threatened, it actually may be that yourself is threatened. Hmm. If that's the case, then you need to move closer to the divine and transcendent, closer to that peace and comfort. Is fear the same thing as anxiety? Um, Let's see. I always think of it in the body. I always think that anxiety is up here and fear is down lower. Um, anxiety is really uh, an unsettled feeling about the future, a sense of dread, a sense of despair. Fear is really of something that threatens the self. They're related, but not quite the same. And I'm a great believer that the divine created medicine and doctors and the art of medicine as much as anything else. So if somebody is feeling ongoing anxiety that's sort of free-floating, 
and not attached to something, I would counsel them to see a therapist. Sure. Because that's not my role. That's not my role. But, you know, what I do is closely allied with a kind of therapy. But if somebody is really feeling that free-floating, generalized anxiety, that it may be that there's something underlying that that I can't address. Let's connect fear to spiritual spirituality. You have fear. Mm-hmm. Dealing with something. Maybe it's ongoing. Mm-hmm. How can you connect with the divine, your God, whatever it is, spirit, the universe, to give you comfort? Well, I think the practice of gratitude is mm. a wonderful antidote to fear. Mm. Because as we practice gratitude, and what I would suggest is writing down five things you're grateful for every day, and perhaps sharing them in a text or email with a friend where you both share five things. What that does is allow you to see where God is in your life and how the divine is working on your behalf. When you're grateful, then you see that carefully. Now, some days during my gratitude practice, I'm grateful for utilities. I mean, I can't think of anything other than I'm grateful for coffee. But other days... Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no, nothing wrong You know all. what? Listen, listen. If it brings you joy, it's there's something there and you should be thankful for it. It doesn't matter what it is, even if it's, you know, a $5 cup. Yeah, sometimes that's all it is. And sometimes it's something deeper, like a relationship or communication with a loved one that you're grateful for, or you're grateful for something working out one way or the other for the best. You're grateful for many things. What it enables you to do is see where the divine is working in your life for your good. And when that happens, the self is no longer threatened with annihilation, which literally means to nothing. Nihil means nothing. The self is no longer threatened that way. You feel more connected and you see where the divine is in your life, already working on your behalf. You know, I just had a vision, Leslie, of when you talked about gratitude, and it's so important, even just writing things down every day, that the gratitude will squash the fear down. Once you Mm -hmm. start practicing that and just realizing what you are grateful for, and many things come from whatever you want to believe, whether it's the universe, divine, God, whatever. If you Mm -hmm. really think about those things, there's a chance that they they came from there. And -hmm. it just continually squashes down that fear and just reassures you. So I see what you're saying there. Very clear. Yeah. I think gratitude is greatly the the greatest antidote to fear that I know. Hmm. And it's so simple. (laughs) It's so simple. But a lot of times we forget it because we're lost in the tornado of fear. Mm -hmm. And when you're in it, you just marinate. It's just like, you know, meat getting cooked. You're just spinning around, spinning around can't get your bearings. But remember that the fear underlies the anxiety and agitation. It's it's they're related but not the same. But what happens is with gratitude is that you see where the divine is working in your life and that it really helps quench that fear because the fear is always of the self being threatened in some way. And when we see that gratitude, we see the connection 
that we have with the universe or spirit or the quantum field or however you term the divine, if you, you even use that concept, you know, you may not use that concept. You may have a humanist concept where there is nothing divine, but there is the best of human nature as something that's transcendent. We always look outside ourselves for something transcendent. This is why even the most primitive cultures have religion. You know, it is in the human nature to look outside ourselves. Because if we were the only people who could fix ourselves, we would have done it a long time ago. <laughs> we can't do that. We have to look outside ourselves for comfort and meaning and connection. We're almost out of time, but I'm really curious about this. And you've, you've gone in this direction, so let, let's go a little bit more. People who say they're agnostic, they don't believe in anything. Do you believe that they reach for something? Like you just said, we all reach for something, whatever it is. Do they reach for something? And if they do, is there an example of what they might be reaching for? Sure. Agnostic literally means agnosis, which means no knowledge. So most agnostics say, we don't know. I don't know. Okay. Well, I'm not going to act as if because I don't know. I don't have empirical proof. Well, empirical proof is not really the right question to ask because you get the wrong answer. But atheists who have no sense of yes. the divine. Often, if you look at an atheist's love for family, then you see that transcendent connection. Oftentimes, people who have what we call humanist values, which are non-divine values, um, will value family, will value love, will value all sorts of things. They just don't call it by the name divine. And I would never say to somebody who is an atheist or agnostic, I'll pray for you. That's so condescending. Mm. I just simply would never do that. But I always say in my practice over the last 21 years, I have always seen that someone searches for something transcendent, even if it's love of family. And that's very strong for a lot of atheists. Interesting. Yeah. I never knew that. You know, you always have this picture of somebody who is an atheist, no belief in God, no belief in anything mm -hmm. out there, um, mm -hmm. but they need something, whether it's family, mm -hmm. whatever it might be, there needs to be something, you know, to your point. We can't do mm -hmm. it alone. No, otherwise we end up in despair. And that's the most destructive destructive stance for the self that I know. It's really can't annihilate you, that kind of despair. But when you see, you know, it may be for a humanist that the best of human nature is the value that they're seeking. You don't have to have a religion or a spirituality to be a connected person. Good talk today. <laughs> and it's funny, whenever we do talk, we start here, the car goes here, kind of swerves a little bit, and you know, we kind of come back to the main road. Um, if somebody is searching, searching for answers, searching for comfort, mm -hmm. searching for the divine, their spirituality, whatever it is, I know that they can reach out to you. Uh, your website, how do we find you? It is progressive spiritual 
www.thepowerofdirection.com. And there is a consultation section. Just put in your name and email address, and I'll have a consultation with you for free. And it may be 10 minutes or it may be an hour to determine exactly what it is you're looking for to help you articulate what you're actually seeking, and then to see if you want to work with me. And many people don't know what they're seeking. I'm sure you you feel that, and uh, you help them articulate. But I do want to say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to express your feelings and your thoughts, because I got to believe in, in two-plus decades, You've heard it all. <laughs> I really have. And yeah. as a priest, I've also heard confessions. So I literally have heard a murder, rape, all sorts of things. But I'll tell you something I've also observed. That everyone, no matter who they are and what they've done, has a moment of peace at the end. We've talked and about that, yeah. I believe that that the universe is so merciful, merciful for us. Mm. And, and there's nothing that's irredeemable. And you've, you've seen many pa- uh, people pass to back mm-hmm. that up. Yeah. Leslie, mm-hmm. great talking with you today. As always, we learn a lot and there's, it's not easy to find the uh, answers to, to these questions. So for that, I thank you and appreciate you and uh, look forward next time we talk. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Bye-bye. We'll be right back. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. So you see, son, good manners are very, very important. Someday, many years from now, when you're a grown-up, you'll be a man. And when you are, you should be a gentleman. Do you want me to go through it one more time? Yes. Yes, please. Yes, please. Exactly. Always say please, thank you, you're welcome, and excuse me. Sit up straight, hold doors open for ladies. If a door's shut, then knock first. Don't burp, don't swear, don't speak with your mouth full, don't reach across people's plates, keep your elbows off the table. What table? And don't interrupt. While we're at it, don't stare, don't use foul language, don't call people names, but do remember people's names. Always share your toys, play nice, and cover your mouth when you cough or sneeze. On the bus, give up your seat to anyone who has trouble standing. Bottom line, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Got it? Got it. And stop picking your nose. Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. That's 2min2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council.